January 16, 2021. It's the Watt for Pedro Show. Thank you. 
off for Pedro Show. Started off with uh, Come Rain or Shine. Well, it's actually Come Rain or Come Shine. <laughs> come on, what? John Coltrane. Uh, Banquet of the Spirits after that with uh, Yale. It's probably the name of an angel, huh? Because uh, I think maybe last episode, Harvey Gold had a hurdy L. And, and like my name, Mike L. Yeah, I think L. God. Something like this. Anyway. Uh, Bud Matt on the Love Grotto on the Pleasure Point. A couple miles south because we're in Quentin Quarantino mode still. But I'm not totally man alone, people, because of those engineers in Estonia with their righteous Skype invention. I got Tim Kuiper with me. Hey, guys. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me here. Welcome aboard, Tim. And uh, uh, you're calling me from New York City? Yes, I'm in Brooklyn. Brooklyn, yes. That part of New York City. Yeah. That borough. Mm-hmm. But uh, going back, you're from the home of the fucking Count. That's right. Count Basie, Red Bank, New Jersey. <laughs> Yeah, I looked up a little bit on you. But <laughs> let's talk about your music journey, Tim. Uh, what's your earliest musical recollection? Um, let's see. That's probably like four or five years old. That's like the mid-80s. And um, it was really dancing to music, from what I remember. There wasn't much music at home. There were no instruments. Uh, we had a tape deck with a handful of tapes. Um, but it was mostly kind of going to places that would have a jukebox that like uh, I remember the local pizza place had one and we'd go there every week put on music and I would just dance full out without you know any regard for any of the patrons or the owners of you know where we were and you know probably to their great displeasure most of the time uh, yeah well you call that you're you're abandoned yeah <laughs> like you're not giving a fuck right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah also, you got the excuse of being a boy. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the only why. That's the only reason they let that go. <laughs> but so you're telling me there's just listeners at the pad. There ain't anybody making music. Yeah, exactly. Okay, but that's still important. Oh, uh, what what about at school? Were you in the choir, the marching band, shit like that? I didn't do any of that. That was only an option, probably a little bit later, getting into middle school. But I kind of opted not to do that. It never really seemed like. I don't think the program was that good necessarily, and I kind of remember. The rehearsals were like 6 a.m. or something like that, and I've never been a morning person. <laughs> yeah, you should be what? He wakes up at four these days. I come <laughs> like at seven or eight. It's like the toupee, you know, you move it forward or rear. It's not like less or more, it's just different things. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, um, you, you're talking about tapes, right? At the pad. So what what was the first one you bought with your own money? Let's see. That was, you know, uh, somehow there was a record shop like a few blocks from me growing up. Um, it didn't last very long, but my memory was like kind of collecting as much change as I could and going there to buy tapes. And the first one, um, I was obsessed with the song. And of course, I didn't know what it was called because uh, that happened to me a lot back then. I would hear a song, but there was often no way to figure out what it was and um, I went in and sang a song, and the guy gave me the soundtrack to Beverly Hills Cops. I had a picture <laughs> of Eddie Murphy on it, and uh, I was suspicious. And I went home, I put it on, and sure enough, it was that song, instrumental, Axel F. Okay. Um, so you bought an album for one tune. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I think there was a lot of that. Even with regular <laughs> records, a lot of filler and shit. 
But, uh, but uh, what about first gig? First gig going to see that yeah. was that happened much later. Um, I don't think I knew about going to see live music. Um, I didn't know that was kind of a possibility. And then in high school, um, I had a core group of friends that was really into music. And freshman year, we went to see Widespread Panic at the Count Basie Theater, which is the local theater in town. Um, which back then didn't really have live music very often, but that was one of the kind of rare shows that came through there. Well, the jam band scene, right? They got a, they got an audience, so yeah. And uh, I know the basement. Dave School, great cat, great, yeah. really nice man. Uh, when's the first time you jumped on the fucking drums, Tim? That was. Uh, I got drums for Christmas. My mom was very supportive and ambitious, and I think I was 11. And, you know, I woke up Christmas morning, and there was a drum set uh, downstairs, and I had no idea how to set it up, and uh, nor did she. And I just kind of remember just arranging the drums in whatever haphazard order and also didn't understand what a drum beat was, like, kum, kum, back, kum, 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 back. had no concept. A pattern, so, pattern, right? Yeah, a pattern, yeah. And just basically played free jazz, an 11-year-old <laughs> version of free jazz on the drums for uh, a long time. Now, until... I'm curious, Tim, how did your ma get the idea? I mean, did... Was there a Santa request put in? I mean, how did out of the blue did she just get a drum kit? I think I must have been talking about it because um, I was still really into music, um, but my only connection was through MTV. So, and I must have thought the drums were cool and mentioned it to her, and um, it was still very much a surprise to actually see one there um, that day. Now, did it have paper heads or? <laughs> <laughs> no, because you you know about the little kid sets, right? Yeah, no, it was a real drum set. Okay, um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, Tim, uh, yeah, I, I got to tell you, you said sure. you were a dancer at first. And if you ask me, dancing is like playing drums with your bottoms of your feet as the drumsticks and the fucking earth as the, the head. Yeah, it's totally connected. Okay, so was the dealio like, I got you this set now, Tim. You're going to take some lessons? I think so. I, I definitely started lessons that same year and did a little bit of lessons. Um, and yeah, did that for a few years probably. And, you know, um, definitely loved it. Can I ask you something? Since you ended up teaching and shit, how was the experience? The teacher means a lot, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Especially in retrospect. Um, I definitely got pretty lucky just having, you know, what it, what is sort of like a random teacher. Um, in many ways, it's just who's ever in town teaching because there's like one music store that has lessons. Um, and he definitely taught me a, a lot of stuff. And um, I kind of remember that he mostly played the whole time, I think. And that might be why I, <laughs> I ended up stopping him in the end. Let me have the stick, sir. Yeah. <laughs> or share the stick, sir. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. There's a skill to teaching, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's 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 almost like learning how to play a fucking instrument, playing a student. Oh my goodness, yeah. Just like having to read into the student and keep them, you know, interested. Right, inspired. inspire them. Uh, yeah, keep them interested. But that's something you don't appreciate when you're in the student mode, I think, at first. Right, not at all, right. Yeah. Especially at eleven and stuff. Now, did you do the thing after school with the basement band, the the bedroom band, the garage band? Yeah, um, probably a couple years later, like seventh and eighth grade, uh, we had a garage band that was called Thonghead. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, one of those names we could only make up back then. 
And uh, it's better than turd purse. <laughs> <laughs> but did you guys? I'm curious because you know I come from the I'm 13 in 1970, and everybody in Pedro fucking copied off records. Did you guys copy off records, or did you try writing your own tunes right away? I'm pretty sure we only wrote our own music. Oh, and, um, and it was mostly the, the guitar player. I believe he wrote probably most of the music, and but it was still collaborative. For sure. Um, was it a trica or a four-piece? Uh, three-piece, just okay. the guitar, bass, drums. And where'd you... Pra- I should have asked you this earlier. Since your mom got you the kit, did you prac in the pad? You know, not at that time. We had a friend who had a garage, and I guess, yeah, his family was maybe a little bit more welcoming to... <laughs> my mom eventually let us play but like after we learned how to play our instruments better i think <laughs> yeah usually right if somebody in the neighborhood you don't like you buy their kid a drum set <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah so did did thong hit was it just a prac band or did it do any gigs I don't think we gigged. We def- we had a two-track recorder, and we recorded. I have no idea what happened to that recording. Um, maybe they let us play at school one time, but I feel like they didn't. <laughs> I feel can, like they're. Can you remember what the? Uh, can you remember what the tunes were about? Not really. We. we That's were, okay. Were you involved with the writing? I think it's really important, this idea that drummers can be... You know, Chico Hamilton couldn't get songwriting credits. Oh, yeah. Um, I wasn't at that time. I eventually kind of got into that, but that was... Yeah, I I didn't really have that a grasp of that. I, that I tell you, a big fuck up the Minutemen did was put George Hurley in the back. That motherfucker sh- should have been up front. Wow, you know, I don't he... know if you see me in the last 20 years. I always make sure my... Drummers are downstage now. Hey, come, come on, it's rhythm music. Why be in such goddamn denial? Look, <laughs> I, I want to play uh, Ecliptocalia. Yes. Yes, crazy. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,
Watch for Pedro's show. Yeah. Ecliptocalia was crazy. Then something brand new from uh, Brother Bruno in Rotterdam, a bass band. Uh, Prodigy's got called BX because of the situation. Can't play with Stoma. So this is a hallway dilemma. Sounds like a school song. <laughs> we had something called the hall monitor. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, uh, well, not a gulag exactly, but... <laughs> Hans Rotten after that from Switzerland with uh, fingertip vocals, a, de a demo, people. Uh, Bombus Prennan after that with a contraband shoe party. Transidio uh, tuning Wild Gossamer. P. Kane, Pat Kane's got brand new records, really good, and this is 47. Biscuit Mouth out of England with Test Yourself Cheaper. <laughs> I love titles, man. A uh, foodie from uh, Osaka would do my best. And finally, Skeleton Key with Machine Screw. Now, I know Skeleton Crew was a big dealio for you, right? It was in the the big town where you're living now. Tell me about how, what happened? Because uh, you weren't really in the school program, you know, K-12, right? So after, what, you go to college? Yeah, went to college after high school. Um, I went to Wesleyan, which is a school in Connecticut that has a cool world music slash like experimental music program. And, and, and world music, is that a genre? <laughs> Good question. Yeah, it's a, it's a bad name for a genre. Yeah, because <laughs> music is fucking music and this is the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess well, it's a little different than Mars music. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe that would be better. No, no, but, but uh, this is kind of a tangent, so you don't have to spend a lot of time, but I, I'd like to know your opinion on this whole fucking idea of genre. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, yeah, oh, you're like me then. It's like, fuck this. Oh, yes, because the dumbest thing ever. Um, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm working with a guy, uh, Mike Baguetta, I play in his trio, and he, he calls his music post-genre. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. Yeah, I'm w very welcoming to that era then. Okay, so tell me about in Connecticut there. In, uh... um, that was, um, you know, I met a lot of great people in college. Um, my first friend there was a guitar player, Mary Halverson. Um, she taught me a lot about jazz. Like, we formed a band right away. We started going to New York City to hear music a lot. Um, I-95? Yeah, I-95 all the way. Well, actually, the Merritt Parkway was kind of the... the that's situation. right, that's right. If you don't have a, a big vehicle, you can do the yeah, parkways. I, yeah. um, I got to study with Anthony Braxton there, oh, uh, who kind of became... You? He was like my hero. Um, uh, also studied with Verona Clough, amazing, amazing jazz drummer. And uh, the, the program there has like a... It has like Gamelan, it has West African music, it has uh, South Indian music. So um, really ex just exposed me to a lot of different types of music. And then also the people there are just really interesting. Everyone's... Can, can I ask you about drums and, and all around the world? There's some kind of percussion almost in every culture, huh? Right, yeah, yeah, definitely. Because I know in the New World, there was only pipes and drums. There was no stringed instruments over here. Yeah. But drums, it's kind of a universal, right? Definitely. And, you know, you start to see connections like how there's like frame drums or tambourines like all over the world um, in different forms. 
looks they look slightly different and they're played differently how you hold them and stuff like that. And then you're talking gamelan, so you're crossing into uh, kind of more notes, you know, because the usual drum that's note is very very short, but they they ring out with the gamelans. Yeah, yeah, and and all the different scales that they have and pitches and how it's all metal. You know, me being yeah. a bass, I'm there's one. You know, it looks like a guitar, right? In fact, I thought it was, right? I, played four, 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 <laughs> I thought they had skinnier necks. I didn't know they had bigger strings because arena rock, you couldn't get close enough, right? These motherfucking bullshit <laughs> gigs. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the closest note really on stage to me is the kick. Yeah. I'm wondering at college, because you're talking jazz and your, your, your guitar lady buddy teaching about jazz, the kick is so much different with rock and roll and jazz. They use it for bombs. They had the yeah. bass guy driving it with eighth notes, right? And, and, uh, on the stand-up. And I guess you would bogart all over him because it was hard to amplify those things. I think it was Earl Palmer with Lil Richard. He brings in the steady kick drum thing. Mm. And I, listening to older music, I only heard that shit like when Gene Krupa went into his drum solo. He had that underneath to like foundation for his you know, me, man alone trip. But when the band came in, kick drum never kept the regular trip. Yeah. Same thing with hi-hat, right? When it, when, when it wasn't high, when it was a sock symbol, it's used at... Oh, yeah. Doop, boop, ba, doop, doop, <laughs> yeah, at the end of every song like that, right? Right. So was that ever discussed? I mean, the role of the kick drum? Wow, not really in, in my life. I remember being obsessed with recordings, trying to hear what the kick drum was doing and like never being able to figure it out. This is when I'm like, was younger, like just starting to play the drums. Um, you know what George Hurley told me? Because I was asking him about getting like parts going with the bass guitar and stuff. He goes, man, don't you understand? Kick is just something I throw in between everything else. <laughs> he says, I'm balancing on my tailbone using every fucking limb. And, and you know, he's right. So I yeah. tried a band with two drummers, but they didn't like each other. So that was a terrible. Oh, plan. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, so to get on with your trip. So you're, you're, you're going to college. You're making visits to the city. You're checking out all these different kinds of ways of doing drums. What happens next? I, you know, I, I really wanted to learn how to play jazz and I took a year off from Wesleyan and I went and lived in New York City and I enrolled at the new school, which has, which has a jazz program. And, uh, so I went there for a year and really got my butt kicked like big time. Um, cause I was really, I was really interested in jazz, but I didn't know how to play it. And I didn't come from the background at all. Like a lot of, like everyone else there did. You mean like um, on the rudiment tip? Yeah, yeah, rudiments. And, you know, I, I hadn't listened to a lot of the music either. So a lot of it was just really foreign, like the whole traditional jazz. Um, I kind of, if anything, I was, you know, more exposed to like the later stuff, like Bitches Brew, Miles, Fusion. later Miles Fusion. Davis, when everything got electric. Um, so it was a, a lot of learning I had to do once I, you know, wanted to check out like traditional stuff. Yeah, even uh, the name Trap Kit, right? The Contraption. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's actually not that old, huh? 100 years or something. Right, yeah, not at all. And it's gotten so homogenized so fast and has influenced the music, um, you know. Yeah, really interesting about that stuff. 
okay, so you got your ass kicked, so you, but you, you want to rise to the occasion, right? So you start going at it? Yeah, I, I got really lucky. And uh, my first day at school, I found out that Ciro Baptista was going to be teaching an ensemble. And Ciro Baptista was already a hero of mine. I was familiar with his work with John Zorn, and I was already seeing him play in New York a lot. And um, I I couldn't take his class because my credits were totally, I was full on credits and the class was popular. It was like overflowing with students, but there was like no way I was not going to take this class. So each week I would wait for attendance to be finished and I would sneak into the class and kind of hope that Ciro didn't notice. And <laughs> luckily he didn't. And uh, at that time, he had this band called Beat the Donkey, which was this drumming and dance ensemble. Uh, they played drums from all over the world. Everyone was in costumes. It was mysterious. They had this show. His show was like through composed, but it was always a surprise. Everything that happened, like you never knew, knew what was going to happen. And I quickly realized that for his ensemble, he was teaching the Beat the Donkey show note for note. So... <laughs> I took that class like as seriously as I could take anything and uh, I, I like dedicated my life to that class and, and I learned all of the parts and by the end of the semester he started inviting me to do gigs with his band. Yeah, I think the and, donkey show was kind of a joke for some, you know, Batista era Cuba. <laughs> you know, yeah. Look, I'm yeah. at the end. Of, can we continue on, Tim? Because we're at the end of the first Hour, January 16, 2021, edition of Pedro Show. Special guest, Tim Kuyper. Hold tight for hour two. January 16, 2021, <laughs> second hour, the Watt for Pedro Show.
We cranked up the old calliope, dragged out the dancing mare. But he seems to have lost the stomach for the show business life. And where is the girl with the endless smile and the skimpy little costume? Where's the big wheel we're supposed to strap her to? Where is the knife? People, put your hands together. Let's have a big round of applause for the empty stage beneath the spotlight. Just because, just because, just because.
Crush them up, crush them up, mass them to mush You wither the goodwill in your heart Choke them with charity and blind them with brotherhood Bludgeon them with goodness and gouge them with giving Kill them with kindness, kill them up, kill them up Kill them with kindness, kill them up, kill them up Kill them with kindness, kill them up, kill them up Kill them and grill them with your kindness and love
didn't get around to it yet. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> well, I had so many, you know, two years work on an album on the, on the crap top and it bricks. <laughs> yeah, she backs up now. Okay. Oh. People, we uh, start the second hour with uh, Kala Jula from uh, Ali Farka Torre and Tumani Diabate. Then we had Sam Bennett, just because. Kill him with kindness from Sam Lock Ward out of Iowa. Iowa City, in fact. Dustin Wong, transmigration from here, K-Town. Arubu Avua with O Nome Se Ascende. And then finally, Fo Farca Torre Shari Le. Got some uh, exotic uh, yeah, names there and stuff. That's beautiful. So, 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 do you ever end up doing the donkey show? Uh, yes, um, I, you know, at the end of that semester with Ciro, um, we, I got to do the New Year's show at Tonic, which was this small experimental jazz club in New John York City. John Zorn, right um, before the Stone. Yeah, yeah, it was a predecessor to the Stone, and uh, you know, the New Year's show. It was like Mark Rebo's band. It was John Zorn's oh, band. Oh, Mark Rebo, great guitar man. Yeah. So that was just, uh, you know, totally a thrill beyond getting to be part of that. And um, I was still in school at that time, but Ciro started inviting me to play with his band more and more. And, you know, that kind of started this relationship. Uh, you know, he became my mentor and um, definitely I still play with him till to this day. And it's kind of the longest musical relationship I think I have. Now, uh, did you get into the thing like, let's get in a van and tour with a band? Yes. Uh, first year out of college, I played with um, this band, Skeleton Key. Yeah. And uh, Eric Sanko is the band leader. And we just got in a van um, without windows that leaned <laughs> left, I think, every time you drove it. and That's called a, a port list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kind of dangerous. <laughs> yeah, we actually crashed that van oh, God. Um, halfway oh, no. through, but so it goes. It's all part of the tour. Touring but experience. you know what? I think that's almost, you know, you need that, like, going to school and, and getting a mentor like Zero. You know, you need that experience <laughs> Yes. to at least appreciate it, right? Totally. Um, yeah, I mean, that was an amazing year. It was really rough and kind of pushed pushed everyone to their limits, probably. You know, um, first time going on the road for a month, two months at a time, you know, never having a hotel room, just sleeping on the floors. Setting and, up your uh, drum set in different pads, different oh, rooms. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. it's not the same crack pad. It's all, you have to learn to work the room. It's it's almost learning vaudeville, mm -hmm. which ain't a bad thing to come from. Can you imagine the time before there was recordings and radio and television? People actually had to go to each other's towns, play for each yeah. other. Well, yeah, it's the only way, right? Wow. So it's not a bad thing to come from. But I, I'm glad you got some of that in there, too, you know. Uh, but there's nothing wrong with the... So you come back. Uh, what about the recording thing? Yeah, that's something I kind of just always was doing, but never, like, super focused on that necessarily. Um, I feel like hanging out with Ciro really helped me with that. Um you know, he gave me my first experiences going into the studio. Um, and, you know, that was definitely like a long 
learning curve for that and feel like I'm st still learning. But when I first started recording, that was like, you know, you're just recording in the studios, big, biggish studios, I guess. And then eventually that tran transition to, you know, recording at home and home studios and stuff like that. Well, I I'm curious about two things. One of them is something in the racket known as red light fever. Like you prac with the band okay and then the recording comes and you clamp. Isn't that uh, fucking hard? I still get that shit. Oh, and yeah. The other thing is learning how to play to a click track. Yeah. I had a lot of experiences where, yeah, over overly prepared for the studio and then it just doesn't come out the way that you want it to. Um, yeah, having to learn how to play with a click track, that took a long time to learn. Um, but that's like a real kind of art too, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Man, in the old days, it was like a Lindrum cowbell sound, just ding, ding, ding. <laughs> yeah. I know. Dude, I think Jim Keltner has a tick, you know, like motorcycle guys get from the wind. <laughs> the yeah. fucking blasting. <laughs> I want to play a, a Banquet of Spirits here.
Show that chunk of music started off with Briel, Banquet of the Spirits, and Dr. Herman Green, the family lost. We lost Dr. Herman Green, 89 years old, though, Memphis, great uh, 
Sax man. Beautiful guy. Mike Cooper after that, Miniature 7. David Gerard and Phil Wyman with Forensic Studies. Troopa Troopa out of Danzig with Remainder. And finally, uh, the Talking Head singer guy, right? D David Byrne. Everybody's coming to my mouth. There's a terrible joke about that, right? There's a party in my mouth and everyone's coming, right? Okay. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> terrible. Look, tell us about some of this music, like 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 the stuff we started the hour off. This this, this uh, Facatore. Oh yeah, Ali Facatore. So, um, it was the Ali Farca one, right? Not the Via Farca one that started, right? The two different ones. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Ali Farcatore, um It's kind of this. He's this incredible Malian guitar player. Um, I got to play with his son. But um, I luckily I was able to very fortunately I was able to record on one of his last records that was done posthumously after he passed away. Um, he had a duo with a core player named Tumani Diabate, and uh, one day we were on tour and uh, we were in London and we had a day off and we went into the studio and um, I didn't even know that I was supposed to uh, that I was going to be playing. No one said anything to me and I almost didn't even go because it was a day off and. I wanted to re relax or something like that and um, got to the studio and was surprised to find out that they were finishing up one of Ali Farkatoy's last records. And, and actually the studio was set up with all this drums and percussion for me to play. So like they were expecting me, but no one bothered to tell me that they wanted me to play. <laughs> so, but you made it, you made it, you did it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's kind of how that happened. Talk about adding a little pressure. <laughs> <laughs> and then this other one what's this, this is son Vo Farcatore yeah yeah Via Farcatore's uh is Ali Farcatore's son and um I played with him for maybe about 10 years um I spent a lot of time on the road with him um at first we kind of go out on the road for like nine months at a time um and but then scaled that scaled that back for sure um but yeah <laughs> He's from like the Timbuktu region of Mali. It's sure. the north. They have this uh, guitar sound that's like uh, it's electric and it's, it's partially yeah, you know, like old blues players meets Jimi Hendrix. Right. But then uh, do, with their you, African flavor to it. Tim, are you aware of something called Tawari, a band? Oh, is it Tanarwin? That's it. That's it. I got to share a stage with him here in Pedro at a festival. And I kind of I think I know what you mean. It's a, this weird kind of mix. It's really righteous. Yeah. So Via and Tanarwin are kind of, they're from the same area in the north, so there's definitely a lot of uh, similarities in the music. Um, yeah, they have a similar sound. Right, right. And I remember all the drums were in a trap kit. There was one guy working some percussion. Yeah, uh, it's often like a djembe and a calabash. Djembe, a calabash is right. just, a, just a gourd. So it's just like a, a dried out vegetable that That's actually right. has an amazing bass sound. So it, it kind of you can simulate a kick drum with it, and uh, it can sound amazing if it's going through like the subs of a really big system. In this uh, banquet of the spirits, yes, um, the banquet of the spirits is Ciro Baptista's band, and oh, that okay. music, that music that you heard was we did a we, we did a couple records of Zorn music, and I believe that was the on the first record of Zorn music, and um, that was kind of like a sort of like a surf tune uh mixed with the the sound of banquet of the spirits which you know takes a lot of uh influences from around the world 
um, the band was actually modeled off of a Mango to the Spirits is modeled off of a band called Cadona, which was uh, a band of Nanao Vasconcelos, great Brazilian percussionist, and um, Don Cherry, incredible trumpet player. Oh, yeah, pocket trumpet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what's it like recording with uh, John Zorn? Incredible musician guy. Yeah, yeah, incredible. Uh, his music's amazing. Uh, being in the studio with him is um yeah, really exciting, but, you know, I remember, I, I haven't done it that much, probably, but, you know, I feel like you have to, you know, really be on point and be ready to move really fast and, you know, kind of burn through the music. Oh, you don't like a lot of takes? Yeah, yeah not a lot of takes, yeah. You okay. got to be, like, ready to read the music down and, and you know, really execute it to your to your best ability. You bet, yeah. You better be ready to go. Yeah, You know, I've always wondered, because I've never done it, and... Uh, Incredible cat and, and and a synergy point, right? He brings things together. Yes, exactly. He brings the people together and everyone's kind of feeding off his his energy. And, you know, he has a way of getting the musicians to really bring the best out of the yeah, musicians. Yeah, and there's a talent to that, being the bow of the boat. We're at the yeah. end of the second hour, uh, January 16, 2021. Dishwap Pedro Show special guest, Tim Kuyper. Hold tight for hour three. January 16, 2021, it's the third hour. What for Pedro Show?
We cranked up the old Calliope Dragged out the dancing mare But he seems to have lost the stomach For the show business life And where is the girl with the endless smile And the skimpy little costume Where's the big wheel we're supposed to strap her to? Where is the knife? People, put your hands together. Let's have a big round of applause. For the empty stage beneath the spotlight. Just because, just because, just because.
Maximum caring. Crush them up, crush them up. Maximum loss. You wither the goodwill in your heart. Soak them with charity and blind them with brotherhood. Blind them with goodness and gouge them with giving. Kill them with kindness. Kill them up, kill them up. Kill them with kindness. Kill them up, kill them up. Kill them with kindness. Kill them up, kill them up. Kill them and grill them with your kindness and love.
lot for Pedro Show. We start off the third hour with, again, Ecliptocalia. That's a great name. A message from the emergency broadcast system. Then uh, jam number four from a Pedro party featuring the late, great Richard Derrick around 1993. Crane on the trumpet. Uh, live at Amadeus Studio, an, an excerpt from Tolum, uh, Lilio Giatano, Alessandro Labrio, and Eva Garacci. Seal. The Heart Incorporated with Sammy Swing Easy. And hey out there, tell Banquet of the Spirits with Hecalot Rabbitai. And uh, these days you're teaching. Yeah, teaching a little bit. Um, teaching at NYU and then trying to do some private students and stuff like that. You know, I guess there's not much else to do during COVID, so... Um, well, survive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, the, the, and also, you know, King Lear was written during a lockdown. You know, compose. Uh, luckily, we get this internet to trade files. I don't know if you do that stuff. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, I made I guess, a whole album with the drummer man, Mike Pride, oh. I met on this show. Just like that. Never even met the guy. <laughs> made a whole album. Gonna, it's coming out, uh, it's coming out in April with Brandon Seabrook on guitar. I got to meet him once, but just, hey, how you doing? You're on next? Okay, bye. <laughs> but, but you know, what I'm trying to say, it's not always the B-word burden. And believe me, this fucking COVID-19 killing lots of people every day and shit, that is a burden. But there is some opportunity still. And so instead of just feeling sorry for ourselves. But, but I'm, I'm interested, before the, this happened, how did you get your, how did you get to teach at NYU? I mean, is there an ad in the Village Voice or what? Uh, you know, it was, um, I kind of go back, um, earlier on, I mentioned I went to the new school, um, in college and I had a professor there, um, who went on to, to head the department at NYU, uh, Dave Schroeder. And, uh, uh, many years later he, he invited me to come, come along and, and do some teaching there. So you were actually asked, you didn't look for it? No. Yeah. Yeah. He, I just kind of, he just kind of asked out of the blue. Wow. So you hear that, guys? P practice up, because you don't know when you're going to get that fucking phone call. <laughs> that email. <laughs> hey, but you, I got a position for you at NYU to come teach some drums. You got it? You got your stuff together? Oh, yeah, I got it. I've been working on it. I've been waiting on it. <laughs> no, it's just a trip. Just a trip. What What about Tim Kuyper compositions? That's... um. You know, I from going to Mali and being inspired by uh, Kadona, Don Cherry's band, I got into this instrument called the Dosa Ngoni, which is basically a traditional bass from Mali. And uh, from spending time there, I picked one of those up. And it's kind of, for me, it was like the most amazing instrument I'd ever heard, let alone kind of got to play. And so for me, writing music is entirely from that instrument. Um, kind of writing essentially like the bass lines and the rhythms from that and then kind of letting everything else fall into place. So it's like the composing tool, but it's not going to just end up on there. It's for the, uh, for the other instruments. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I realized that, yeah, if I playing that instrument, it has, a, it has a certain sound to itself, but it also, if you can let other instruments play those parts, it actually kind of, in my ears, it kind of could 
kind of create a sound that sounds very different than you would normally hear on, you know, a regular bass or regular guitar. Yeah, well, you know, it's, I still think it's kind of unusual to compose on bass, except, yeah, maybe reggae or R&B. But I think that is a future of the bass guitar. One thing, what intrigues me about this, how do you pronounce it again? Uh, Dosin and Goni. Dosin Goni. Is that maybe it leaves space for the guys who are going to do those, realize those parts that you're composing, for them to interpret it. Because you're not actually doing, right, a guitar sound or a, a keyboard or it has its own sound, like you say, unto itself. So you're kind of giving them a little direction. Yeah, it's like a tiny bit of direction and then a lot of room to kind of do your thing with it for sure because there's, you know, the sound is going to be so different, you know, any yeah, kind of effects yeah, that you want I, I to add. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. Then it's not like, you know, realizing some guy's demo he made with a MIDI <laughs> keyboard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> plays all the instruments, all the parts. <laughs> and then, he, you know, it's like almost like a gigantic piece of player piano paper scroll. You know, and the little mm. holes in the... Remember those things? Yeah. Before there were sequencers. Uh, look, last music, I want to play uh, uh, Ali uh, Farka's uh, son. So you did uh, Darby Magni? Yeah.
Thanks for coming. So slow, creeps and go through the window. Return to the land where the wild may roam and the buffalo go. Yeah, the buffalo go and the wild man. Cross the countryside, search for me why. Taking to the beach upon the other side. Seas and the valleys and the ocean so deep. I swim with the fishes in the sea. I've been searching for you. I've been searching far and wide. Searching for you on my life, my life, my searching for you. I've been searching for me wide, been searching for you on my life, my life, my Lift your eyes up on the hillside, sunrise, I fight to see through the lies. Creep up on the hills, yeah, I'm oh so high. And I run up on the clouds, feeling yes, so right. Run them on the land, and I'm kicking up sand when I stand. My plan, please back down or get slammed to the ground when my sound strike thunder. Why you pillage and plunder? Now you wonder why you're going under. Got yourself on the run from the number one that you can't run from. Your spirit fades, you feel hunger.
Life from Pedro Show, last music for this edition. Uh, View Faraka Torre with uh, Dear B. Magni. Then Sleepy Party People with I'm Not uh, I'm Not Human at All. Tom Smith with Carried Away. Tim Hohouse Spirit. And finally, Searching from Matsu, Matsuhayu. No. Mats. <laughs> Maybe you can help me out. Matisayu? Oh, yeah, Matisayu. Okay, Matisayu. Matisayu, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, off-air people, we were talking about this idea of using a, an exotic instrument like this to compose on, t- to actually free it up for your collaborators. Because, you know, what Tim's talking about here is not man alone. He's talking about an ensemble. And to me, when you get an ensemble going, am I wrong, Tim? But are you trying to build a conversation? Yeah, totally. Uh, an, an interaction with all the musicians um, is so important. And so maybe just the just the way of putting that together, you know, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm intrigued with your, your, your music journey. I can't wait to hear more. Where can people find you on the uh, Internet, Tim? Oh, uh, I have a website, uh, timkuiper.com, T-I-M-K-E-I-P-E-R.com. Okay. And, uh, and and there's stuff there that we can check out uh, with your music and all that stuff. Uh, please go there, people. Um, big honor to have you on the show. I love it with drummers and uh, especially creative ones and, and ones that are also composers and teachers. Incredible. Uh, thanks. I mean, a drum, drummer is a heart of a band, right? But thanks for being part of that obligation, but also expanding it out because why not? Right? Let let the freak flag fly. <laughs> yes. Big love. Big, big love, Tim. People, it's been uh, January 16, 2021 edition. Watt Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry.